<clears throat> this is day four of this July 2023 seven-day session, and I'm going to switch texts today and go to uh, an anthology of uh, the Chinese master's teachings, and this one is called Zen Essence, uh, and it's translated and edited by Thomas Cleary. It's one of my very favorite texts I've used quite a few times in, in Taisho. It's such a variety of uh, teaching uh, exp expressions. I mean, that is a variety of ways in which uh, teaching, Zen teaching, can be uh, articulated. It starts off with uh, one of the all-time great greats, uh, Ma Tzu, who uh, lived in the 700s. Uh, he he uh, is supposed to have uh, brought 139 people to enlightenment. Uh, he, uh, he and his, his contemporary Shir Do, uh, there was a saying at the time that the Ma Tzu and Shir Do uh, divided the world between them, the world of Zen. He starts off, the way does not require cultivation, just don't pollute it. It is polluted, of course, with thoughts that our original nature, uh, whether or not we practice, our origina original nature is pure and sound with us all the time. But then there's that second part, just don't pollute it. That's where, of course, the sitting comes in. That's where Zen practice comes in is to learn to train the mind not to pollute it by uh, clinging to thoughts uh, master uh, even before this Mazu uh, Sungsan in our affirming faith in mind begins the great way is not difficult just the great way is not difficult just do not well pollute it he asks he asks rhetorically what is pollution as long as you have a fluctuating mind fabricating artificialities and contrivances all of this is pollution. Fabricating artificialities and contrivances. Artificialities would be thoughts. Complications.
if you want to understand the way directly, the normal mind is the way. What I mean by the normal mind is the mind without artificiality, without subjective judgments, without grasping or rejection. Subjective judgments. Might, uh, might ask what judgments are not subjective in some way because we're bringing our all of our conditioning uh, to our judgments. Without grasping, it's a very rich and important Buddhist word, grasping. Grasping at the thought of enlightenment. It's very different from this, the pure practice of the koan or the breath or shikantaza. That's not grasping. Grasping implies reaching out and wanting something that we think is outside ourselves. I want Kensho. Well, sure, who, who, who wouldn't? But that thought uh, is, is the problem. The founders of Zen said that one's own essence is inherently complete. Just don't linger over good or bad things. That is called the practice of the way. To grasp the good and reject the bad, to contemplate emptiness, is all in the province of contrivance. And if you go on seeking externals, you get further and further estranged. To contemplate emptiness. This is not what we're doing here. We may, we may uh, experience the emptiness uh, that is really the essence of the mind as it is the essence of all phenomena, <clears throat> but we're not trying to concentrate on emptiness. Much, it's always it's always safer to to express what we're what we're doing here in the negative, non-doing, non-grasping. Not clinging.
um, something like a koan or breath practice is not grasping, it's not clinging, it's, <clears throat> it's what is happening. The breath is a living function. We're always breathing. So we're not, I mean, I suppose the closest thing to, to trying to hold on to grasp the breath is to hold one's breath. We're just, we're just want to be aware. If our practice is the breath, we want to be aware of the breath, of the inhalate and the inhaling, the exhaling, the inhaling, the exhaling. <clears throat> it's not really holding on to anything. We're just going with what is, what's happening. And even with a koan, we're not, <clears throat> we're not, uh, we're not clinging to something that's static. It's, it's a, it's an ongoing, it's a working process of questioning. <clears throat> Just end the mental objectification of the world. A single thought of the wandering mind is the root of birth and death in the world. Just don't have a single thought and you'll get rid of the root of birth and death. <clears throat> a, uh, another Chinese master, Fuketsu, uh, put it this way, if a particle of dust is raised the nation is established. If no particle of dust is raised, the nation perishes. Particle of dust, of course, referring to a thought. A single thought, and we've created this whole world of duality. With no thought, when we're dwelling in samadhi, there's no world out there. There's just this. Just move. Just the questioning. Just the breath. This becomes so um, sharply obvious as Sashin goes on when we get into a place where we have relatively few thoughts in the mind, even, even short of samadhi, and then a thought can be just, just kind of uh, feel like such a violation of that purity of mind. Suddenly a thought crosses the mind. And then when that happens, uh, what do we do? We don't make a you know, federal case out of it. We just, we just see it. Okay, there's that thought. Okay, another thought. Uh, just back to the practice. We don't want to oppose our thoughts. 
We don't want to make... Opposing it is making something of our thoughts, making a big deal of them. No, they don't deserve that. There's nothing to them. We see the thought, back to the practice. No, no damage, no harm done, just to have a thought flip through the mind. It's when we, uh, it's when we cling to the thought and and uh, and then start embroidering on that thought with more thoughts, and and then we're off and running. Even then, okay, let's say we take off in some sequence of thoughts and we find ourselves way <clears throat> far afield. And it's still the same thing when we notice it. Uh, there really isn't any harm done. We just go back to the practice. goes on, human delusions of time immemorial have conglomerated into one body. This is the understanding that it is because of our uh, karmic weight, our, our body of karma, that we continue to be reborn. human delusions of time immemorial, and he itemizes a few of them, deceit, pride, deviousness, conceit. Most people during Sashin will uh, see all of these things at some point. And then he says, that is why the sutras say that this body is just made of elements and its appearance and disappearance is just that of elements which have no identity. In, uh, in old, the old terminology, it was uh, the four elements, fire, earth, air, and water, Another way to understand that elements would be the five skandhas that we chant in the Prajnaparamita. Saw the emptiness of all five skandhas. The five skandhas are the components of identity. And, and in order to have a, a self-identity, we need all five of them. Without any of the five, uh, we're, it's not the same. So the, f- the five, in our simple ch- chanting version of the five, it's form, feeling, thought, choice, and consciousness. That's what we, the words we use in the chant. It's not the most accurate uh, renditions of the five skandhas, but they flow better than some of the otherwise kind of intellectually unwieldy uh, terms that you more often are likely to see in a glossary of the five skandhas.
And then he says, when successive thoughts do not await one another and each thought dies peacefully away, this is called absorption in the oceanic reflection. successive thoughts do not await one another. The uh, great uh, Linchi, known in, in Japan as Rinzai, said, just learn to cut off successive thoughts, and this is worth in more than 10 years of pilgrimage. It was a time when it was customary for the monks uh, twice during the year to set off on pilgrimages. And uh, Lin Chi recognized that uh, this going off, traveling, uh, ostensibly traveling to find other masters and learn more about Zen, he wanted to warn the monks that uh, it's nothing compared just to learn to cut off Successive nen. nen is a very difficult word to translate. When I was in Japan, the uh, American uh, interpreter of the Roshi there asked me, how would you translate Nen? And uh, the, closest, the closest I can come is, is uh, a thought form. Uh, uh, we, 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 we use this in, uh, in the Kanongyo, one of our chants. This moment arises from mind. This moment itself is mind. So that's nen, the Japanese nen. Nen nen du ju, nen nen ju shinki, nen nen nu rin. This is, the nen is, uh, is, is it, we translate it as moment. It used to be, this thought arises from mind. This thought itself is mind. So it's, it's hard. It's hard. It's the, I think, thought form uh, that, that, that arises in each moment is the best translation for Nen. Uh, it's what we're experiencing all the time when we're sitting. Things going, coming through the mind. The first Nen, what is called the first Nen, is the direct experience. Immediate direct experience. Sound of the bird. That's the first Nen. And then the successive nan would be, say, the second nan would be, uh, sounds like a robin. And the third would be, oh yeah, robins in New York State are, are much bigger than in Michigan. And then, yeah, I remember Michigan uh, when we used to do such and such. And then you're off and running. There, second, third, fourth, fifth. And then you're off on a train of thought and uh, have to Rewind as soon as you can. That's the process of successive nen. But the original, the first nen, is no problem. It's just a sound, a feeling, pain, sound, um, a, a, a trace of shadow on the wall, uh, even a thought, a thought itself. Well, yeah, a thought. The first, as a first nen thought. No, uh, uh, lunch, lunch is coming. Okay, that needn't be a problem if we just cut it off right there. 
and not start getting into thoughts and fantasies and so forth. This is the this is the real nuts and bolts of practice, this matter of successive nem, and how quickly the mind can take a ride off into these successive nem thoughts. A living brain will generate nen, or generate uh, a second and a third, uh, well, at least a second nen. A living brain is there's the perception, the naked, original, direct perception of the sound, or the smell, or the sight, or the feeling, or the thought. Uh, so we have to make peace with that. It's this stuff. These snowflakes will be coming through, and the whole the whole uh, challenge is not to linger in them and let them pile up and take us far away. Madzu still here. He says, "Delusion means you are not aware of your own fundamental mind." Enlightenment means you realize your own fundamental essence. Very succinct distinction between the so-called enlightened and the so-called unenlightened. It's just a matter of awareness of, of, of whether one has experienced, that's the key word, experienced uh, this original nature. We have it, whether or not we experience it, we all are it equally. If you understand mind and objects, then false conceptions do not arise. When false conceptions do not arise, this is acceptance of the beginninglessness of things. You have always had it, and you have it now. There. Lacking nothing. This... Uh, distinction between mind and objects is a very basic one. It's just means, well, subject and object. Uh, and uh, the Dharma, based on experience, recognizes that you can't separate them. How can you separate mind, whatever that is, and objects? How do you separate mind from environment. Where does mind end and environment begin? And what in what environment, what trees would there be without mind? Without the experience of the trees? And vice versa. And so we say in affirming faith in mind, 
things are things because of mind as mind is mind because of things. These two are merely relative and both at source are emptiness. They're, rel they're, they're empty because they're relative. They, they need each other. This is the doctrine of dependent co-arising. That uh, environment, trees and cars and moon, the moon and uh, all manner of things uh, can only exist uh, in, in, in co-arising with mind. Sounds very philosophical, but it's pretty important. There are these two uh, big uh, divisions of Buddhist teaching. Uh, one is called Madhyamaka and the other is the uh, Yogacarya. Yogacarya means uh, mind only. And Zen is usually considered more of the latter, mind only. Everything is mind. We can say there's the mind, our experience of things, and then there are things out there, but it's all mind semantics when we fall into deep sleep at night the world disappears when we wake up in the morning it reappears Again, Fuketsu, if one particle of dust is raised, the nation is established. If no particle of dust is raised, the nation perishes. The world. Each one of us is responsible. Each one of us is the creator of the world. Roshi Kapoor used to say, the, the universe comes to self-consciousness in each one of us. Each one of us is the universe. It's only the the convention of words, the assignment of words, me and universe, that fools us into thinking they're separate. Here's just one little tiny entry by a Zen master, Da Zhu. Uh, we've, been, we've been reading from Ma Zhu. This is Da Zhu where he says, my teacher said to me, the treasure house within you contains everything and you are free to use it. You don't need to seek outside.
yet it's the most common thing in the world, among all people in the world, to seek outside, to want to acquire something that we imagine to be outside us. And this next section is by uh, Zen Master Lin Chi, Rinzai. People who study the Dharma should seek real, true perception and understanding right now. If you attain real, true perception and understanding, birth and death don't affect you. You are free to go or stay. He's talking, of course, about deep enlightenment. You need not seek wonders, for wonders come of themselves. Yeah, there's a, there, there are some people who um, are uh, who crave wondrous things um, and and seek them, but we find through Zen practice that wonder emerges on its own when the mind is empty, relatively empty then all, anything, all things can appear wondrous. Again, as I said yesterday, in Zen practice, we're not try to, trying to create an effect we're, we're just allowing, we're emptying the mind, we're exposing, uncovering, we're uncovering that everything that's in the mind. And that includes wonder, joy, and yes, sorrow. Lin Chi continues, What I point out to you is only that you shouldn't allow yourselves to be confused by others. In other words, confused by the notion of an other apart from oneself. Act when you need to without hesitation or doubt. At another time, uh, Lin Chi said, on the outside, cut off all attachments. On the inside, make your mind like a mountain and enter the way. It's a good description of what we are 
and striving to do in Sashin, cutting off all attachments on the outside, making the mind like a mountain, the mountain that it is, and so that we might enter the way. He says, people today can't do this. What is their affliction? And then he answers, lack of faith in yourself is one's basic affliction. These words are just so simple and brief, but they're just so rich with importance and meaning. Faith in yourself. What Another translation is, what ails you? Lack of faith in yourself is what ails you. Faith in our true self. That which is beyond the diminished images or thoughts we have of ourself. Luckily, uh, if we're whatever we may be lacking in faith, in terms of our enlightened nature, it changes with practice. Our faith grows. Our faith grows. Every time we choose to place our attention on the practice we're working on, we are nourishing this faith. There is no stability in this world. It is like a house on fire. That's um, that's the title, or more or less, of uh, one of the uh, shorter of the sutras. The Buddhist the Buddhist sutras is Fire Sutra, and the the gist of it is that it's like everything is burning. This is not a place where you can stay for a long time. That is this life. The murderous demon of impermanence is instantaneous and it does not choose between the upper and lower classes or between the old and the young. This uh, statement by Lynchy demon of impermanence is instantaneous, does not choose between the high and the low, the young and the old. I've probably heard it a hundred times since I took up Zen practice at the age of 22. But it just keeps getting more obvious. 
that we never know how much longer we have. We know statistically that if we're young, then we probably have a good many more years ahead of us, statistically. And we know the exceptions, too. And then we know that statistically, as we get on up into our 60s and 70s and further, that it's ever more likely around the corner. And then these words bite in a way they didn't when we were young. This is something that uh, the, an old person could say a thousand times to a young person and it, doesn't, it just really doesn't enter most young people. I, I do have to say, though, that when I was 22, what tormented me more than anything is that I might die before coming to awakening. But for most people, Andy Rooney, the humorist, said uh, to the young, death is just a distant rumor. Here's a, one more. Because you grasp labels and slogans, you are hindered by those labels and slogans, both those used in ordinary life and those considered sacred. Thus, they obstruct your perception of objective truth and you cannot understand clearly. So we... We live in a world of labels and slogans. Let's just stick to labels for a minute. Uh, um, I'm a liberal. I'm a conservative. I'm a vegan. I'm non-binary. And then even within the Dharma... I'm a Buddhist. I'm a Zen practitioner. All of these come with the danger of, of attachment, of reifying, fortifying the self. Identity. To the degree that we cling to identity, we're trapped.
The whole problem is the notion of an abiding, unchanging self. And the more labels we pile on this self, the more we're bound by them. And finally, if you want to be free, he says, get to know your true self. It has no form, no appearance, no root, no basis, no abode, but is lively and buoyant. It responds with versatile facility, but its function cannot be located. So this, this true self of ours, this essential nature of ours, has no form, but it's not apart from form. It doesn't exclude form. Here's the form. No appearance, yes, but it's not apart from the world of appearances. It's beyond form. It does not exclude form. It's beyond appearance, but doesn't exclude appearance. Therefore, it's lively and buoyant. It's not some kind of ethereal um, spirit that's apart from this. Just put thoughts to rest and don't seek outwardly anymore. When things come up, then give them your attention. Just trust what is functional in you at present and you have nothing to be concerned about. Okay, so just respond to things as needed. Responding to conditions, which are always changing, responding to conditions in different circumstances, Pretty simple, but pretty hard to do that in the purest, cleanest way. Instead of just immediately responding to people and to things, we have this cloud of thoughts that gets in the way of our in our responses. Or to go back to his first entry, it, it gets in, it, it pollutes. Our, our response. Our time is up. We'll stop and recite the four vows.